the Freshers' Handbook. We're back. It's time for another episode of the Freshers' Handbook with me, Harry Briggs. And myself, Robin Sargeson. Now, today, Harry, coming to the end, but this is probably one of the most important episodes I think we're going to put out in oh, this okay. series. I wonder what we could even have left I to know. possibly speak about. You think? It's all sorted. You've done Freshers' Week. You're settled into your course. It's a few months into uni and you're like, hey, I've got this. I am a student. Nay, I'm not even a fresher anymore. I'm a proper, <laughs> fully-fledged student. I know what I'm doing. I've, I've got all the tips and tricks nailed. And then you realise, hold on. What? Second year. Second year? I can't live in halls anymore. I've got to find a student house to live in. Oh, nightmare. And then your problems begin again. <laughs> Coming up. How did you decide who got which room? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is... Because that can cause a lot of friction. This year, no toaster, no microwave, no kettle and no TV. Getting your deposit back. You always want to make sure you know when and how you're getting your deposit Absolutely. back. Literally, I took photos of every corner of my room, every mark on every wall, anything like that. Because then at the end of your tenancy, they'll go around again. And if anything's different from when it was at the start, they'll probably charge you for repairs and stuff like that. The Freshers' Handbook Podcast with Harry Briggs and Robin Sargison. The thing that I find really alarming about student housing is that the turnaround is fast. It's all about getting your name in as quickly as possible, which then adds even more pressure on, onto you to find the right place, make sure there's no issues, get it all done. You got Sometimes you've got to get six people all to send you like decent amounts of money to put a deposit down, stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's tricky. But uh, hopefully, me and Harry will be able to take you guys through the process, what you should be looking for, what to watch out for, and we'll, we'll tell you a few things that happened to us because you oh, learn man. from experience. You do. I had a really bad experience in looking for a house uh, in my second year, looking for a house for my third year. Yeah. And uh, it got me quite a bit upset, actually, because I was stressing out a lot about it. I think if you ask students now... Probably when they graduate, what was the one of the biggest things you stressed about? Housing, yeah. people to live with yeah. is one of the hardest. I remember, um, again, in second year, I was looking for a house for third year. And basically, our, our agency had, had emailed us saying, oh, hey, you've been in your house for a month or so now. How do you find it? Do you want us to put it back up for rental next year? Or do you guys want to roll over your contract for another year? And we all just sort of went, yeah, we're happy to stay in the same place next year. So we replied back and we said, yeah, let's do it. Let's Let's stay in the same house. And then they went, okay, we'll send over the stuff shortly. Nothing really got sent over, but we thought, hey, they'll be busy with other people. That's fine. Drop them an email a couple of months later, like, hey, let's get this contract all sorted. I assume you were dealing with other people. And they went, oh, yeah, on the same day you replied saying you wanted to keep the house, we let another group of people sign on for it next year. What? And they never told us because of, like, an air quote admin error. Are you joking? No. And then we were there, like, sort of February trying to find a house. And obviously... At uni, you sort of want to be looking for a house for the next year around October, November, December. That's sort of the end of term one is when you want to nail down your house for next year. And so there we were, middle of term two, like, this is a problem. There's, like, nothing available now. Did you have written evidence? We that... only Yeah, we have written email evidence. But then they were like, oh, well, it was just a mix-up on our end. We can't really... Did they did they offer any sort of compensation? No, we are, we did ask. We did ask. We were like, hold on. Are you going to offer any of your properties to us? And they were like... Oh, well, no, they're all gone, so mm -hmm. we can't really help you find a new place. This is the thing. You've got to know your rights they're when evil. it comes to universities. A lot of these big letting agencies will get away with whatever they can. Yeah. Um, if you're living in halls of residence at the moment or other university accommodation, 
um, you've got different rights. Yeah. Uh, you've got different rights to what would happen if you live in private accommodation. And probably the biggest example of this I can think of is during the pandemic when we left university early yeah. in first year. And I've mentioned this early on in the podcast. Because we were in university halls, the, um, the, the, the uni said, oh yeah, if you're staying in uni halls, will refund you the term you're not here because of the national lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Happy days. Then there was a secondary lockdown in second year, and I was staying in private accommodation. And uh, I distinctly remember the Prime Minister at the time going, if you have a student flat, you need to stay put wherever you are. Yeah. Whether that be... Don't go home. If, if Don't go home if you're, at ho- if you're at uni, and don't go to uni if you're at home. Yeah, yeah. I was at home at the time. So I wasn't legally allowed to visit this uh, house that you were paying for that I was paying for and I went to the landlord and I said to him look I'm not even allowed to live here can I just get some sort of um, economic benefit and he was like no this is what keeps the economy going They, you're not even paying it. You're having to pay bills for stuff like you're not using. You're not using any Absolutely. water, electricity, heating. We'll get on there. to fixed bills and uh, set tariffs and what have you. But if you're living in university accommodation right now, um, if you're living in your halls of residence, I really would advise just checking over your terms and conditions. Yeah. Having a look at uh, what you are entitled to and what you're not entitled to. Um, I know uh, if you are staying at university halls, you can be disciplined by the university's codes, yeah. um, which is quite important. Because if you uh, get yourself into some trouble and you're on university property in the form of university halls, you could be disciplined using the uh, university's codes of conduct or disciplinary procedures. And that's in addition uh, to legal action that they can take using your tenancy or your license agreement. So if you're being really um, disorderly on the university halls of residence, like deliberately setting off fire alarms, um, if you're. I know people broke fire extinguishers in first year and they had to pay for them and stuff like that yeah or if you're breaking uh, this sounds so immature (laughs) if you're breaking bins or benches yeah um the university penalty could could be more than the usual penalty i'd also say guys download a pdf of your tenancy contract agreement when it gets sent over just keep that saved on like your desktop of your computer or just keep it in in a folder in your emails or something like that where you can easily just go right what was my tenancy agreement? Or if you're looking for the date to move out, any of that stuff, you've got an easy way to find it and you're not there scrolling through thousands of emails from months ago. Exactly, that's completely correct. What was your experience like living in university halls? Did you get on with the people? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. There was nine of us, so there was always going to be people I got on with. And even the people who I'm not close mates with now, we still got on as a flat. We did flat activities together and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the time, the kitchen became quite a social place. Uh yeah, we didn't really have many problems. Um, sometimes people came back from nights out and you could hear them, but I, I lived above the student union, so I always had a bit of noise outside, so I could deal with that. I think when it came to second year looking for a house, we started looking in November. November time. I think that was the... It just hit Halloween, and we went, right, there's five of us. We've sort of got a group now. Let's start looking. So was this the people you lived with in first year? Yeah, 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 because I just thought, hey, I know I can live with these people. Um... And I know that they're not like the worst people to live with and I'm happy with that. Let's just get a house for second year. A lot of people sometimes, they choose people from their course because that makes it easy for them just to uh, sync up schedules and stuff like that. Like everyone's mm. going to go to lectures at the same time, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there's there's no right or wrong about it. Obviously, Harry, you've had uh, a lot of different flatmates over the past three years. You've said you've switched around. So how did you find it? 
I switched around every year, and it wasn't because I didn't want to live with the people. It was sort of just a situation. <laughs> no, no bad uh, it intentions. No, it was a situation that developed. In halls in first year, I was put with uh, a group of eight. Mm. I was one of eight. Five girls, three boys. Um, and the boys, I weren't, uh, weren't sort of my kind of people. So I spent my time uh, heavily with the girls, uh, which, is, which is completely fine. And I had a really good time. And one of the girls I'm still good friends with now. Um, and... It, it just one thing sort of led to another, petered out. I think it got to November time, like you said, and uh, cliques were forming. And yeah. I wasn't naturally in any of these cliques with my flatmates. I think uh, three of the girls lived with each other. Uh, and then one girl lived with uh, her friend from home and the lads lived with their friends from their courses. And I don't know, it, it wasn't that they didn't want to live with me. That's what they told you. Well, that's what they told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely, there is no right or wrong it, it answer was to any of it. Just the situation it? Yeah. that ha- that it was. In, in the end, I lived in a three. That's quite good, though. I think I think sometimes less is more because it does make it a bit easier Absolutely. to do things. I went from an eight to a three. It must have been quiet. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm back up to eight again. <laughs> so he's kind of mad. Um, it was brilliant living in a three. What happened was uh, it got to November and I was struggling who, struggling to find people that I could potentially live with. Uh, and in the end, I had a couple of friends who went to the same secondary school as me, yeah. but I wasn't very close friends with. Um, so I, 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 in the what, what happened was, Robin, I, I don't know if you have this, any examples of this, was there's people, maybe a handful of people from your secondary school who end up going to the same university as you. And um, just because you are gathered together in the form that you yeah, go to yeah. the same uni, you find yourself spending a little bit of time with them. You maybe know, people... You end up being closer at uni than you ever were at school. Exactly, think, yeah, and that's so exactly true. what happens. And it was the kind of thing where in first or second week, they were like, oh, do you want to go out for a drink? We, we went to the same primary school together. It would be great to go out for a drink. And... Um, uh, and in the end, that's exactly what we did. And uh, we had a great time. We became close friends. We got a flat together in second year, which was about a 15-minute walk from the university. Yeah. I would say that's about the norm. Um, yeah, you do end up, I think, especially if you're not at a massive city uni, you will end up either being a small commute or a walk. And you're not on uni. campus anymore. Yeah, exactly. Nine times out of ten, once you do, you finish with your halls, you're not on campus anymore. So you will have to have that walk. A lot of people have to get a bus. I actually think that's fine. A yeah. bit, I, I, I wouldn't... It's, it's more similar to also the, the real world. Like, when you get a job, mm. your job's not going to be, like, on your doorstep or around the corner. Like, you're going to have to commute anyway. So I think developing those public transport skills and all that sort of thing, being comfortable with it, is just a really good skill to have at uni. Absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, so um, that was what I did in second year. We had a tenant, We had a landlord who was uh, really nice. Uh, we got on with him. There was a situation where on the first day we got there, um, I, one of my mates brought his TV, which went on a ta- on a wooden table. Mm. And I think the a buckle under the table, which was holding it together like the joint, um, was faulty. He put his TV on the table and it smashed and oh. broke. But he went to his land. We went to our landlord and we said, "Look, we, your table was damaged. We didn't know that. He didn't say that in the inventory." Yeah, yeah. And he said, "Oh yeah, that's my fault." And he replaced it the next day. So you can get good owners. You can get bad owners. I think that's the key thing to look at when you're when you're going for student houses. 
always find out through the agency or the people in the house. When you go and look at a house, there's normally going to be people living in there currently. So say, oh, what's the landlord like? Do, does he come mm. in often? What's he like? Like we asked them and they were like, yeah, he's this old guy. He comes in probably once a month and he fixes stuff and he's quite helpful. And that's the one I've got this year. But then um, before also, you want, you want to know how active they are. You want to know what invent, what's going to be in the inventory because... We'll we'll try and explain this to to you listeners. Like sort of when you move in to a student house, they basically either send you an email, or they give you a physical copy of like, here's all the rooms in the house. Here's a list. We've gone round and we've said right. There's a table, a few scratch marks. There's a sofa, bit worn, that sort of stuff. And they'll they'll describe what it looks like, the state it's in, and what there is. And you basically have to take your own photos of it. Literally, I took photos of every corner of my room, every mark on every wall, anything like that, because then at the end of your tenancy, they'll go around again, and if anything's different from when it was at the start, they'll probably charge you for repairs and stuff like that. Exactly. Hence why I've always got pictures of like little scratches on walls, because I'm like, well, here's a picture of the day I moved in. It's still there. You can't charge me for it because I didn't do that damage because a lot of the time, student student housing agencies, they're there to make money out of you. They want to do all their repairs at the end of the year and they want you to pay for it, not them. So you've just got to be careful and you've got to be as thorough as you can and don't take it lightly. It's worth doing it, isn't it? Because everybody's different. Going back to our personal experiences with housing, I had another nightmare situation um, going into my third year looking for another house and because what happened was the two people I was living with in second year had placement years so they were going out the around the UK so I was in a situation again where I need to find some people to live with originally I thought all was well in the world because there were some course mates uh, which I thought I could live with yeah and um, we went to look for some houses together um, and we, we thought we found the place we had it nailed on and uh, we were just waiting. Did you put a deposit down? Mm, yes. Oh. We even put a deposit a non- down. They're non-refundable as well, we, aren't they? We so even sort of... put a deposit down for a house. That was how convinced it, I was that we were going to live there with the five of us, all, all from the same course at uni. And then it gets to Christmas time and everyone's off on their Christmas break. And I think it was in between Christmas and New Year. And we had two people who were still yet to pay the deposit. And um, we messaged them saying, come on, look, you've got to pay for this now. Yeah. And uh, one of them got back to me and went, um, sorry to say this to everybody, but I'm dropping out of uni. Ah, oh, see, that, see, that's not that's even... That's what it was. Yeah, that's not even one where, oh, they're going to secretly move in with other people. And they no, haven't told you. It's it just was, fully, the uni experience wasn't for them. They have to drop out. So, yeah. Was, I'm dropping out of uni, so I don't think... I, I'm, I can't live with you anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then that was it. Never supposed to win again. Oh, and um, there was another situation. Another of the girls said... Uh, oh, my dad's lost his job, so I think I'm going to have to find somewhere cheaper. Yeah, yeah. These are the situations that happen, and I don't think there was any malice involved. No, no, no. You just but, have to. It's it's awful, but it's it's understandable. And then, in it, but I was in the same situation, kind of as you, and it was at the same sort of time. I think that, we had a few conversations about looking for places. Yeah. But then I there was already six of my lot, and I was like, "There's no way we're going to find." No. giant houses with all these rooms no for so then yeah. I was left on my Todd in second term and I had no one no one to live with uh, had, but you found some in the end I, I mean I know you're not homeless this year so you know what I did I did something which I could thoroughly recommend to people to do if you find yourself with no one to live with and that is go on Facebook go into the uh, the, the public groups of your freshers uh year or of your university yeah, year, year. Um, 
and just say, look, I'm on my own. I'm looking for somewhere to live next year. I'm lively. I like going out. Um, I'm, I'm happy to live with girls or boys. This is my price range. Um, let me know if you've got anything. Because there's people who are trying to find someone yeah, else because yeah. someone else has dropped out. I've, I've seen some advertised already on people's like Insta and Snapchat exactly. stories. Like, oh, we're looking for one more to fill a seven-person house and stuff. Because you can't really give up at that point. You've got you've only got one space. And there a will lot of time they be get filled. somewhere for you. It always works yeah. out. They're not going to... And if it gets to the point, literally, where you can't find anything, go and speak to your uni. They'll have welfare. They'll have support services. Absolutely. You're not going to end up homeless at uni. They will help you sort something out and they'll work with local agencies and stuff like that. But again, yeah, the Facebook group thing is very, is very recommended. But again, with the, it's, it's weird that you said you guys are, some of you guys have put down a deposit because that's the key thing. When you get a house you like and you've decided with your mates and you're like, right, this one we're going for, we've seen it, we've seen the price and it fits our range. You've got to get that deposit down as quick as possible uh, because then normally that deposit will, will block it off from being viewed by other parties, basically. Mm. And then they'll send you a contract and you normally have a few days to get a first Dot payment. Dot the I's together. and yeah. cross the T's. Get it all sorted, sign it. Normally uh, you get guarantors, which basically your parents, which is if you can't pay like a month of rent, they'll just go to the guarantor who hope you will because mm. like... If I haven't got the money, like, yeah, run off to my parents and yeah. ask them. They won't be happy, but they'll be able to do it. Um, but that is that is pretty much it when it comes to that. When you're viewing it, just make sure there's no damp, no mould. Speak to the tenants. Find out what it's actually like living in it at the moment. And look up reviews of the agency. That's one thing we did for third year because we realised in second year we didn't really like the way our agency was treating us. We looked up their Google reviews and they were awful. And we were like, oh, my God, we really should have researched this company before we went with them. So, uh yeah, always look up reviews because it's interesting to see. Oh, there will be some idea. good ones. But, and it's worth yeah. saying that I am really good friends with these random people that I lived with that I, this year yeah. that I found um, on Facebook and I didn't know them before. There was a few mutual friends. They weren't complete randomers. Mm. Um, they're all like-minded people. Um, we've got an international student in there. We've got a gr- we've got a mixture of uh, girls and boys. Um, I th- the eight of us, I think there's five girls, three boys again. It's yeah. like a circular narrative. It's, it's worked pretty well out for you then. And I, I think because you're in a situation where everybody was looking for people to live with, mm. um, everybody goes into it with the same with the same mentality that I need to get to know these people and I'm sure we'll get on. Yeah. The Freshers Handbook. Are there any other pointers you're thinking of that when you're looking either in an area or something like that i'm thinking security and safety is there an alarm in the house what's the what's it like um getting contents insurance and things like For that sure. in case you get broken into because student houses they can be targeted by oh burglars. they are yeah i i, I think they are you got to keep your security up um what the one thing i would definitely recommend uh, is that you check that your your, your front door is really secure it mm. sounds silly um, but where I live this year is on the middle of uh, of the main street, yeah. um, which goes into the square. Um, and our door was faulty. And uh, we found ourselves having to have sort of a backup door, um, which we locked mm. just in cases. Um, so I would definitely check that out um, just for your own well-being. I'd definitely say um, know what furniture's in there. So, first, uh, so in second year, there was already a TV there. There was already like a toaster and a microwave. This year... No toaster, no microwave, no kettle, and no TV. So we had to sort of just bring that ourselves from home or work out who's bringing what. Because again, in second year and third year, I know we mentioned it with the freshers one, but definitely once you know the people you're living with really well, 
who's bringing the plates? Because again, you don't need mm. five or six people all bringing four or five plates each because you're not going to have the same amount of storage that you have in halls. Sometimes it's just a normal house and the sizes are smaller than these specifically made uni halls that have cupboards for everyone. You need to sort of compile your stuff together. Like this year, I didn't bring any cutlery. I let other people do that. Could I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. How did you decide who got which room? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is... Because that can cause a lot of friction. Yeah, I think you just... You have to be honest with everyone and you can't be like... You've got to make it fair in some way. Um, last year, uh, we sort of did it... Ran, did it... As we were viewing the house, it kind of just fell in place that people were like, oh, I like this room, I like this room. And it sort of worked itself out. And it led to two people just basically doing a, a random thing. Generator. Uh, over, yeah, just random thing over one room that both of them wanted and, and didn't want the other one, which kind of worked out fine. And then this year, the person who had the small room, we gave a big room to this year. Oh, that's good idea. And then... Uh, we, so you live with the same five people yeah, all three so, years. So it was... So it's different. We changed a couple of rounds. So... Me and these two lads I lived with in first year, we've lived together for these three years. And then the people around us have just slightly changed. So the five of us in second year, four of us moved into this house in third year and we added two more on. Mm. So it's just a little bit of tweaking and changing. But uh, yeah, we, we kept the same core group, which means I think, yeah, it's about communication and honesty. And if all the rooms are the same and so, and people are sort of, it's heading towards where there might be some sort of beef over who gets what room. Mm. Just go, right, we're whacking it in randomly. That's what um, my girlfriend did with her house. There was nine people in that house. They all wanted the one big room and all the other rooms weren't as big. So they went, right, random random thing, names out of a hat and that's what you're doing with and what's final is final. No switching, no nothing, no... Can't really complain when it's random. You just no. have to sort of get on with that's it. That's what we did in our, in our second year when we did as a three. There was one room which was quite big, kind of big in uh, the other two rooms and we random name generated and I actually won the random name generator so I got the Ooh. big room so I was thinking hello I've won here <laughs> it turns out the windows were really big and the curtains didn't block out the sunlight uh. so I could never sleep yeah I got oh this is one I bought some this year I had big windows so I bought some blackout materials just blackout material, material from yeah. Amazon and you just stick it on the windows that's a great one you just stick some like little velcro Yeah, my pads. girlfriend's bought that. They're they're solid, but again, these are little. These aren't really expensive things that students can do. It's fine. It was like literally like fifteen quid on Amazon, and mm. for the whole year, that sort of sorted me in terms of if you want to go to sleep in the dark, just get some blackout material. Or something Absolutely. Like that. Going back to how do you pick your rooms in third year? Um, I said to myself because I got it sorted really late. I'm I'm not bothered anymore. I will literally sleep in whatever room going. <laughs> I've got myself a bed and I've got myself a roof over my head. Whether the room's big or small, it doesn't matter. I live in a um, in an apartment above a shop in the middle of a in the middle of Nottingham city centre at the moment, <laughs> and uh, and I've got the smallest room. Because I said I wasn't. The yeah. girls picked out the rooms they wanted, and the three lads said, "Look, we're not fussed. We'll just have whatever." I was the last to move in, so I had um, the the smallest room. Uh, right at the very top, so you have to climb <laughs> all the stairs. You have yeah. to climb four flights of stairs. Hey, it's keeping you active. Oh, keeping <laughs> and uh, there's also not very good Wi-Fi all the way up there. But I don't mind because I sorted it in the end, and for a long time I thought I wasn't going to. I think another thing you have to consider is whether your bills are included or separate. I mean, we talked about that in first year, but a lot of time in first year they're included. It's sort of easy to pay with your rent. A lot of the time now in student homes, they're doing bills separately. So what you got to do when it's separate is you've got to find a website, do a bit of research, find out a, a company that have a website, that sort of thing, where you can pay your bills locally. 
uh, we used one. Oh, I'll name them. We we used one called Fused this year. Interesting. We used one called Bulb. Bulb. <laughs> I we only used it this year because we had one of the new flatmates had used it the year before, and if you rolled over with them, they did a bit of a deal, which is always good as a student. You just mm. want to. They appreciate the loyalty of their customers. So this is a really important. You got to make sure you're not being ripped off because then that's when turning off lights, making sure heating's not on not on unnecessarily water, all that sort of stuff. You just need to make sure no one's just being a bit wasteful with, with the bills because it does add up, and especially cost of living crisis at the moment. I think a lot of people will be worried about how much broadband electricity heating they're using, but make sure to get that all sorted well in time. We were a bit late on our broadband, and it meant we had no Wi-Fi for the first week when we moved in, so all of us were just sat there camping around personal hotspots and stuff like that. This is a big one. You've got to work out quite early on whether you've got your bills included or if you haven't got your bills included. I would say from a personal experience, I've done both. In second yeah. year, we had bills included. I'll, I'll tell you um, the pricing because I don't mind. It was a £200 lump sum, which you had to pay three times per term. You work that out, it's expensive. Yeah. In third year, um, I we didn't have bills included. So we had to manually sort it. Now, purely for FAF purposes, I probably would have opted to go for for the for what ha happened in second year. Yeah, bills included. Um, because there was a bit of a FAF to try and sort everything out. But it was a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, and we we sorted it. One person um, paid the energy, one person paid the water, one person paid the broadband. And at the first of every month, we have to transfer the people the appropriate amounts. The issue which I have with what happens in third year when you have to pay the bills yourself is when you are not on a fixed tariff. Yeah, you need to do meter readings and stuff like you that. You have to right? do meter readings. We, for a long time, were paying each, I think it was £24 a month each. Um, and then when the cost of living crisis happened a few months ago, mm. boom, it's gone up to £52. Yeah. So you've got to be careful. If you're on a fixed tariff, you're paying the same whatever. Yeah, I was going to say this year, obviously, there's more in your house. So probably it's a bit cheaper overall. Uh, we were on 63 a month for everything, just individually. So it was about the rent was what it was like what one twenty one fifteen plus fifteen a week basically. And did yours change on depending on how much energy you used, or was it the same? Uh, we didn't want to overdo it, so they did say it was fixed. But then if we started basically going over the top, they'd they'd which adjust it. Which is very it, common. Which is fair. So that's why we're sort of on. No one really does it, but like leaving lights on and stuff like that, and just making sure everything's all fine. And then when the cost of living crisis hit, they sent us an email saying, "Don't worry, you're still on the fixing. We're not going to bump it up." Um, because you saw, because we'd already been in for like six months and there's only like three months left. So that's how we calculated it. Um, and yeah, that's the thing. You just got to make sure you do your meet to readings, especially when you leave, because when you end your bills contract, they want to see what the meter's like now compared to at the start of the year, because then sometimes they'll bump it up right in the end and you can say, hold on, no, the meter readings are either the same or lower. You can't really do that. So just make sure... Feel free to stand your ground and question companies if, mm. in, if it's bills, and if this it's is landlords. Bills with, and, and, yeah. and this is slightly different to when you're paying rent. Yeah, so rent is just to is clarify fixed, that, that's yeah. different. You've got your rent, which is fixed at the start of the year, which is how much it costs to literally live in that building, which yeah. is set by your landlord. And you have your bills, which are sometimes separately um, sorted out through letting companies, or you have to sort it out manually yourself. It's something that you have to do when you're an adult anyway. Yeah, um, and then finally, I'd say when when you're saying about moving out and the bills and stuff like that, getting your deposit back, you always want to make sure you know when and how you're getting your deposit Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Um, but, but before we we go yeah. about um, moving out, 
I wanted to I want to read you out an email I received oh, last week. Have you got a juicy one? This is what I received <laughs> last week, okay, from my landlord. And what happened is I think I have the flat until the end of the month and yeah. it was a, a 12-month contract, August to August. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is and um this is the uh, I'll tell you when it was. This was the 12th of the month, me thinking I've got it until the end of the month. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what happens is this. Hi, all. As you are aware, your tenancy ended yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have all vacated the property. Oh, my God. We are yet to receive any keys from you. Please can these be returned as a matter of urgency. Let me know if you've got any questions. <laughs> What was what was everyone's response to that? Our response was, "What? I swear, <laughs> I, I swear, we have we this were twelve right. months, yeah." Um, and we then go back to the PDF version, which I downloaded yeah. of the contract, yeah. which clearly says in black and white, "You have it until the thirty-first, so it was all good. Yeah. So they backed off on that. Really. Well, they just got made a mistake, but these things happen. Yeah, the people they make mistakes. That's why um, I checked our our one, and I basically emailed saying. Hey, I know we moved in on September 1st and it says 50-week contract. There was one where it said it was ending in July. Can we just check when it is? And they said, yeah, it's August 17th. That's your move-out date. Um, You're all good until those final two weeks. So always be clear communication. I think when you go into the offices as well and you collect the keys and stuff like that, try and have a chat with them, work out what they are. Because if they're a small company, they'll probably be quite nice and friendly. But if they're a big company looking after loads and loads of houses, it might be harder to deal with. But yeah, Um, let's move on to this deposit because... They, they hold on to it. It's the deposit you use at the, right at the start yeah, that so secures you the house, isn't I'm it? I'm happy to go into a bit more detail about this, yeah. Robin. This is a holding deposit, um, which you have to pay sometimes to reserve a property. I would recommend not paying it or signing anything unless you're sure you want the place. 100%. Because you usually won't get the money back if you change your mind. Once you've paid the holding deposit, you have a legal right of 15 days to sign the tenancy agreement. And then the landlord or the letting agency can't rent that property to anyone else without offering it to you first. So once you pay the holding deposit... um, you then have the property once you have everything signed. The holding deposit can be up to one week's rent. Mm. Um, it says on my screen in front of me. Yeah. Um, and then if the rent is monthly, you can work out what one week's rent is by dividing it by 52 weeks, for example, if it's a 12-month contract. Uh, what happened to the holding deposit is you'll get the deposit back um, at the end of your period. And it does say here, actually, and I didn't know this, um, once the 15-day holding period has ended, they must return your holding deposit within seven days. Yeah, so that that's just the holding deposit. And then the, the deposit that you have that's normally the first bit of rent and that sort of thing, they keep... And then you can get. So I think ours is two hundred for this year. Okay. So this is um, your, this is sometimes they want a bit of rent up front yeah, yeah, as yeah, a yeah. form of deposit. Yeah. And then they keep it. And then at the end of the year, basically, if there's say there was loads of like marks on the walls because I blue tacked loads of stuff up, ripped it off, ripped the paint off the walls, and there was like I don't know a table, chair broken. Uh, yeah, a chair was broken. They'd have to replace that chair and like repaint the wall and then do a clean and that sort of stuff. And they'll take that money instead of just charging you, they'll take it out of your deposit and then give you back whatever was left. So say it cost 150 to do all that. They don't I'd only get 50 quid back of my 200 pound deposit. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And uh, last year that's that's how we were really on it because they are our 
letting agents, they sent us a guide of moving out, which was really helpful actually. Uh, always feel free to ask for anything like that, any tips they can give you. And they said, here's our price list if stuff is wrong. Oh, wow. If, if these appliances are broken, this is what you'll get charged. You'll get charged this for a, a quote unquote deep clean of the house, which I'm always suspicious of because when I move in, I don't feel student houses are, are ever deep cleaned. But, um, but yeah, so I think of our deposit, we all pretty much got back like 95% and the only bit we had taken off was just the general clean they did of the house, which they were always going to do. So it's it's good if they send you a price list because then you can work out what's going on and if you're getting the money that you should be getting back and they're not holding any, they shouldn't be. Absolutely. That just about, Robin Sargent, wraps up our housing episode of the Freshers Handbook. Is there anything else that you want to say on the matter? Uh, keep your houses clean, guys. <laughs> don't, don't ruin it. Don't have, don't get the uh, rats in. Don't. We, we, I've heard of a few houses with mice yeah, and rats over the past few years. So, please, guys. Yeah, I. In fact, don't I, tell it. To I was style. speaking to somebody from an, another university who said that they lived in what became synonymously known as the rat halls. Oh no. Oh, that, that I think people don't want to experience that. You want to have good housing stories. You want to stay on top of it. You want to work with everyone. Yeah, exactly. And that is it for another episode of the Freshers Handbook. Stand by for another episode incoming into where you choose to listen, which I'm presuming is through your ears uh, <laughs> next. Take care. Bye. The Freshers Handbook podcast with Harry Briggs and Robin Sargison. The Freshers' Handbook was brought to you by Jano Media in partnership with the Centre for Broadcasting and Journalism Department at Nottingham Trent University. It was recorded and mixed by me, Harry Briggs, with assistance from Sassy Clyde in conjunction with the Jano Media Award at Nottingham Trent University, providing fresh postgraduate students with a chance to create a fully costed short podcast series.